This is the 1010 Life Podcast. Live to the full in body, beliefs, and business. Here's your host, Paul B. Evans. Welcome to part eight of the 1010 Life Framework. You may be thinking, will this ever end? Yeah, it will in four more episodes. We go through tough times when it comes to dealing with our mindset and our brain and our focus, our faith, the things that we are afraid of. And today we're going to talk a little bit about fire, going through the challenges. I remember my worst Christmas ever. All I wanted was Stretch Armstrong. That was it. If I could get Stretch Armstrong, my world would be complete This was at some point in the 1970s, I believe. So I was so excited about getting Stretch Armstrong. When I picked up the box on Christmas morning, I could tell by the weight alone that Stretch was there. And I knew that everything I'd ever wanted was about to exist. I tore off the paper. I saw the box. Sure enough, there was Stretch. I was pumped. I pulled Stretch out. I began pulling his arms as wide apart as I could. And in that moment, my cousin reached in with her teeth and took a hunk out of Stretch's shoulder. Now, I don't know if you know what a Stretch Armstrong or any of these stretchy things are made of, but inside, and I'm using a technical term here, inside is goo. So his goo began to seep out. It was red, just like blood. And Everything that I just experienced on the joy front was now gone. I rushed, I rushed him not to the hospital. I rushed him to the freezer. I put Stretch in the freezer thinking maybe somehow just that exterior portion would freeze solid and he'd be okay. Well, obviously, you know that didn't happen. Stretch never recovered and Christmas was never regained. Now, obviously, that's shouldn't even register on the radar of fiery events. But as a kid, that was pretty big. As we're thinking about our beliefs and taking every thought captive, we've got to be ready for the fire. Because if we're not careful, we're going to end up being a victim. Now, if I'd been a victim of that Christmas, I would have hated every Christmas from that point on. I would have dreaded Christmas. I would have hated Christmas because all it held for me was a bad memory. And we've got to be careful or that'll happen to us too in our life. That we'll go through a fire, we'll go through a difficulty, we'll go through a challenge. And whatever's associated with that time period now becomes off limits. So that if someone close to us is hurt or we are hurt or there's loss around a holiday, then that holiday for many people becomes off limits and they hate it and they hope that nobody ever brings it up again. Or that there is a constant reminder of this position in life, and so this fire makes us a victim that we continue to live in. Well, we've got to make a shift, just like we have with the other elements. We need to shift from victim to valet. What's that mean? 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So instead of being a victim, we become a valet. Instead of being trapped in our pain or in our fire, we help others walk out of their fire. We don't stay in, and we don't let them stay in. So that if you've been through a divorce, you don't stay a victim 
You pick up the pieces of life, you take God's healing into account, his comfort into account, and then when someone else that you see is going through a divorce, you come alongside them and you help them walk out of the fire from victim to valet. It's not always easy. It's not an easy process. So I'll give you a very brief process today that may help with it somewhat. But when we're thinking about fire, we're often thinking about why did this happen? Why has this happened to me? Why do bad things happen to good people? Now, the theologians among us would like to say, well, nobody's good. Nobody's righteous. So therefore, everybody is subject to these things. Well, kind of, but kind of not. So let me give you five reasons that bad stuff happen, that fires happen in our life, and then how we can make the shift. Number one, sometimes bad stuff happens because God does it. We don't like that. We think, wait a minute. He didn't do bad things. Well, occasionally there is discipline in our life and there are trials in our life. And so sometimes things are sent into our life, fires, refiners, so that we become stronger. So sometimes it's God. We don't like that, but it's true. You think about the story of Job. He may not have actually put the hand on Job's children or the hand on on Job's wealth, but he certainly provided permission for that, right? Which brings us to the second reason that sometimes fire comes. It's Satan. Sometimes Satan does the bad thing and does the destructive thing. Our key verse for the whole framework, John 10.10, for the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what Satan does. That's his goal. That's his fire. So sometimes he's going to do that. Sometimes bad things happen because other people make dumb decisions, make bad decisions, and they affect us. So we weren't the one that drank. Somebody else drank and got behind the wheel and caused the destruction. So sometimes other people make bad decisions and affect us. Number four, sometimes we make the bad decision. And I'm amazed at the number of believers who are like shocked that there was a bad outcome because they were a believer. I'm like, you made a bad decision. I make bad decisions all the time. Listen, I made some decisions financially about mm, probably six or seven years ago when the market was taking a bad turn. I got in the market at the wrong time. And so I am still suffering some consequences from that bad decision. That wasn't a right or wrong. It wasn't holy or unholy. It wasn't sin or right or righteousness. It was just a decision I made. And so it brought on bad consequences, but it feels like a fire at times in life, right? So sometimes when it comes to fire, we're always wanting to make it this this big spiritual battle. And sometimes it is, but a lot of times it's just that we made a bad decision. Somebody else made a bad decision. Sometimes it's Satan, sometimes it's God. Then finally, sometimes it's just life. The bad decision based on the temptation, all the way back in the garden, ushered in a new set of rules. A new set of rules that said you're not going to live forever. A new set of rules that said there's going to be sin, there's going to be consequences. And a new set of rules that says there's going to be life. The things that were not supposed to affect you will affect you now. And so part of life is that we're biological. And so we don't live forever. And our bodies are not healthy all the time. And we have to deal with the consequences of life around us. So all of that is part of the process. So why does fire come? God, Satan, other decisions, my decisions, and sometimes life. So how do we deal with that? I look at it in in basically three ways. And you can draw three columns 
or if you're part of the 1010.life, you can go to the1010.life forward slash alive and you can get your resources there that include all of these worksheets that we've covered throughout these, these what, six, eight parts so far, eight parts so far. Hard to count sometimes when you're from Alabama. So loss, lesson, and leader. So what's the loss? What's what the fire bring? What's the lesson I can learn here? And then how can I become a leader? How can I move from victim to valet? How can I lead other people out of this problem? And so I've mentioned before in the podcast, I've never told that story completely, and I'm actually not going to tell it uh, completely right now, but my first wife, Sherry, passed away suddenly, very suddenly, in my arms on May the 4th, 1993. So that was the loss. That was the fire. So what were some of the lessons that I learned there? First of all, I learned that I'm not alone. I received calls within the first hour. Word spread so fast. This was before social media. People found out because they contacted each other. They didn't just post it online and hope everybody found out. They had to pick up the telephone. I received just hundreds and hundreds of phone calls, it seemed like, just within a short amount of time. I also listened, was listening to the radio like two days later and heard somebody else who had gone through a similar situation. I also received cards from all around the world. I remember getting one card fairly close, just about four hours away, Pensacola, Florida, that had 286 signatures on it from their church. said, we're praying for you. So I learned that I'm not alone. Secondly, I learned that faith is critical, that I needed to depend and trust God, even in the middle of tough circumstances, even in the middle of loss, and that God was not afraid of me questioning Him or asking why. You know, none of that's intimidating to Him. Another lesson was that family is critical. That having my church family there, having my physical family there, to be able to help pick up the pieces, to support. I remember one lady at church, Janice Laughlin, who never kept infants in her home. She had a daycare in her home and just an incredible lady, incredible woman of God, her and her husband, Frank. And she contacted me within hours and said, listen, nobody else is keeping Sam but us. It was a huge blessing. That was from the family. Right? I didn't block out. I didn't put up these walls and say, I'm not going to accept help. I'm going to waller in this fire. I'm going to smolder. Nope. Instead, I had the family surrounding me. Another lesson I learned is that there's going to be hard times. I learned this, you know, obviously at a young age. I also learned it even earlier coming up through what we might label a dysfunctional family. But I learned that there was going to be hard times. I learned that life was going to be unexpected and that life was going to be unfair. So these were lessons to me. These were not end-all, be-alls. These were not areas to get hung up in. These were not areas to camp out on. They were just simply lessons so that the next time there's a loss, the next time there's a fire, I'm a little more prepared and I understand how to connect with it a little bit better. So what's the leadership facet? The loss with Sherry, the lesson that we've been through. And then how do we lead through this? How do we become the valet to move people from victim to out of their fire so that they can become a valet themselves so that they can enjoy and and reap God's comfort and then they can turn around and comfort others as well. So number one, I realized that, you know, I needed to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter three and I needed to come out not smelling like smoke. If I was going to lead, I needed to come out not smelling like smoke. My life should be lived in a way that you would not know that I'd been through the loss unless I told you. I shouldn't be crippled emotionally by something that happened years ago 
And I'm not, uh, and hear me clearly, I'm not downplaying those who get trapped in their hurt because of uh, some extreme challenges that you may have and even some clinical issues that are there. I'm talking about those who are healthy mentally who make a decision to stay. We can't make the decision to stay and be who God called us to be and help others get out of that situation. So I determined that I was not going to smell like smoke. I would reveal my fire, but there would not be evidence of my fire. It created a new direction in life that I decided from that point on that I wanted to be available for family. I wanted to create my business, my occupation in a way that allowed me the freedom to be there. Perspective. It helped me to see hurt in a different way. It helped me to be more compassionate. And in in certain frames, it it made me not as compassionate because someone would come with a really small problem and I'd go, listen, I know you feel like that's huge and I don't want to belittle it and I don't want to dismiss it, but I want you to know that there are greater things at work here than, than this issue that you're dealing with at this time. As a leader, I had to move forward and show that example as well. I learned to empathize. Who do you think gets called? Who do you think gets called when there is someone who loses a spouse at a young age and has a young child or young children at that time? Sam was five weeks old when Sherry died. Well, I get called because I've been there. So I have empathy and understanding because I've actually been in that fire. I'm not simply saying, I'm so sorry that you feel that way. I can say, I'm sorry you feel that way, and I know exactly how it feels. So our fires serve as an opportunity for us to become a leader through empathy, not simply through sympathy. We don't simply feel for them, we feel with them. And that is what 2 Corinthians 1 is all about, that God comforts us so that we in turn comfort others in the same way of the comfort that we've received. And so now I can be a leader because of the lessons through the loss that I've experienced in this fire. And you can do the exact same thing in your life because that's the big difference in living the 10-10 life. Satan's going to kill, steal, and destroy, but Christ came that we might have life and have it completely to the full. But thanks for joining me for this episode of the 1010 Life as we continue through the life framework. Visit us online, the1010.life, not.com, the1010.life. As always, live full, give him the glory, be blessed.